what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hey, welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. We all know that health is complex and multifaceted. Amy Chang and Fran Paradine are here to break it down, talk it up, and learn from a whole slew of really amazing guests. Fran and Amy are both health coaches, and just like health, their practices and viewpoints are individualized. You'll hear different takes on the same information as they discuss all things health, and you'll learn with them as they talk with guests who explore all different areas of health. Every episode will be fun, informative, and entertaining. If you like what you hear, please follow us and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. Um, Amy and I are joined today by an awesome woman physical therapist uh, named Dr. Leanne Reed. She owns Stillwater Physical Therapy and Wellness in Catawba, North Carolina. Um, Leanne has over 20 years of experience working in the physical therapy world, uh, specializes in complex spine and sacroiliac. How do I say that, Leanne? Sacroiliac. Sacroiliac, joint dysfunctions um, and chronic and recurrent pain conditions. Um, Leanne has all sorts of uh, degrees and certifications, and she is a doctor um, of physical therapy. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. She has completed 525 hours of massage treatment certification, received a manual therapy certification, and is a certified kinetic continual movement therapist. Is that right? Kinetic control movement therapist. I can't read my own writing. All right. Kinetic control (laughs) movement therapist. So all of these are like really cool concepts, and I cannot wait to understand them more and um, understand what makes you so amazing for the patients that you see. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to just tell us, start by telling us uh, how you got interested in physical therapy and kind of what your story is? Yeah. Um, So I first got interested um, as a patient myself. I was in and out of physical therapy in high school, just being an athlete and things, had knee surgery. And um, I can't say there was one specific um, day or anything, but it was just when I kind of came down and started to think about what I wanted to do when I grew up, um, just seemed something that was a natural fit. So um, just day one, you know, in, in college, freshman year, went right into a physical therapy program and (laughs) haven't looked back and I I love it. So, you know, I feel fortunate there. Um, but you know, my road was not kind of the typical when I graduated school, um, moved, I went to school in Boston, um, where I'm from, followed somebody out to Colorado. Um, so my first job out there was working for a physical therapist that, um, again, had a different vision. He did massage and he had just opened up a small private clinic one-on-one, kind of was doing some wellness and other things with it. So that was my first real job and kind of got, um, he ended up being my mentor and just got to see that physical therapy could be so much more than just kind of the more corporate and exercise and stretching that a lot of people just think physical therapy is. So, um, and I just took to it. I, I love 
love the hands-on and, and so forth. So, um, so that's kind of how I kind of got started in a different direction and just feel very fortunate. I never really had to work in the busy clinics that you see, you know, two people every 15 minutes and, and stuff like that. So it was, um, like I said, so I really got to explore and um, really practice, you know, physical therapy and do a lot of hands-on. And I love education. I'm a, um, I always say I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, so just always, you know, taking a lot of continuing education too and expanding things there. So that's kind of where, you know, so when I moved from Colorado to Illinois, I always knew, you know, I'd eventually open up my own place and which I did shortly after. And so just kind of expanded off of that. And now here in um, North Carolina in Catawba have, you know, kind of taken kind of downsized um, just because I don't want to be quite as busy and, and all doing all the administrative things, but mm-hmm. still, you know, kind of want to practice and, and promote, you know, what I think physical therapy should be. So, okay. So you now have a practice in Catawba. Mm-hmm. And how long have you, has that been open? Um, uh, January will be uh, two years. All right. Well, welcome to North Carolina. Thank you. We're happy to have you nearby. Um, and so it does sound like from the get-go, you have really seen physical therapy as part of a holistic treatment protocol. Yes. Um, and um, so, so can you... Can you expand on that a little bit, kind of what, what, how you see physical therapy um, being a part of or leading in, this, in the whole treatment scheme? What, what other pieces need to be in place? Yeah, so, I mean, physical therapy does encompass a lot of different things, um, but just in general, I feel, you know, and, and doctors have kind of become the same way. Everyone specializes, and you come in for, say, a knee issue, and they just look at your knee. So to start off is really looking at the – the whole person physically, but also there's other body systems that are in play. So if they have other chronic conditions, um, you, you know, usually there's an inflammatory component to that. And can they be doing other things to help manage that, whether it's diet or other lifestyle changes? And so, because um, if they can't get that under control, no matter how much I treat their knee, they still might have some pain. Um, so it's, you know, really kind of getting, um, sometimes it's stress or other family, um, you know, things going on at home that could be factoring in. I might not be able to help them with whatever other things could be affecting their physical health. Um, sometimes emotional things are um, presenting themselves physically, and, you know, and people don't always realize that. And, and so I, I do, you know, so um, I can not necessarily help talk them through that, but, you know, at least help them identify that and say, you know, maybe you do need to go see someone like you guys, you know, kind of work on or, you know, help point them in and and really take it, you know, a lot of people with chronic conditions, it's not just musculoskeletal, there's going to be other um, comorbidities, other body systems and and things that, um, and you really want to kind of attack it from all angles to get the best results. Um, and also just from, from the musculoskeletal standpoint, also looking at the whole big picture and how, say, the ankle or the foot is affecting what the back's doing or vice right. versa. Right. So, um, Leanne, can you paint us a clinical picture for, for like a case study? Because I'm totally down. I'm, I am picking up what you are laying down. <laughs> like I've had enough chronic issues. And right now with my torn Achilles uh, on the left, 
my mm-hmm. right hip from doing all the work is perfect totally, example. Yep. Totally get that. But I wanted, um, if anybody isn't quite grasping what we're talking about, what does a client, your typical client who comes to you um, that you treat and what kind of benefit do they get? Will you walk me through that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my, you know, ideal client, let's say, is, you know, uh, let me use somebody I actually just evaluated this morning. Um, I, I'd say she's probably a good example. She's um, middle age, you know, you know, 40s, um, kind of, you know, has a dance background, has been in and out of physical therapy, had a back issue, has this recurring neck issue, uh, neck shoulder issue. That's what she's coming to see me for. Um, has had some decent results with physical therapy in the past, but just has this recurring, you know, she's trying to do all these things on her own, but just no one's really kind of helping her um, figure out really what's driving it, what's going on. Um, doctor just wants to do injections. She doesn't want to do injections and, you know, she just doesn't want to hurt every day. She just kept saying. Um, and so, you know, it's, Nothing. She can live with it, but it's 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 getting in in her way. Now she doesn't have a lot of other, um, you know, uh, disease. She's otherwise healthy, which is good. A lot of other patients I have might also have, say, uh, maybe an autoimmune or some other, you know, that can complicate things. But she's otherwise healthy, which is great. But she's really motivated. Wants to figure out why and what she can do so that she can keep functioning and hike and exercise. Every time she tries to exercise, she just hurts more. Um, so looking at and how, you know, she thought maybe it was her shoulder or her neck or, you know, what. So just looking at and really evaluating all that. Um, turns out she's a little hypermobile. She's got issues on, it's been going on for a while. So she's got some issues on her right, even though her pain's on her left, but some stuff going on on her upper neck too, which is not where she hurts. But it's just, you know, trying to get all those pieces, you know, posture, some issues, definitely some strength, um, mobility, but trying to find out where all those impairments are and putting the puzzle together and how, and ideally trying to figure out which is the the driving factor. So we can start there. You know, people have, you know, the neck and the shoulder are very closely connected, but, you know, sometimes it's more primarily a neck issue that could be affecting the shoulder, or sometimes it's more primarily a shoulder issue affecting the neck. Um, and so you want to just try to prioritize so you can get, you know, the best uh, treatment plan and, and just be more, as effective as possible. Um, not sure if that completely answered your question yet or, or, or not. Gave me a great picture of who that is. You started out by describing Amy Chang. Exactly. <laughs> you know, middle-aged, dance background, hypermobile, got okay, some yep. issues with the neck and shoulder, has been to um, other care providers and been mm-hmm. told a shot, cortisone shot. And maybe that's not the way she wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's been to a, another couple different modalities or places and hasn't gotten the kind of long-term results and healing. And sometimes when you address the shoulder and it's really the neck causing the shoulder, then the shoulder doesn't get better and it's yeah. perplexing and it's frustrating and you can live with it. I mean, you're not about to go, you know, lose it, but it's yeah. not a thriving life. And Correct. she comes to you and you help her peel apart the onion layers of which came first, the exactly. neck or the shoulder, and how do we need to treat that? And oh, by the way, with hypermobility comes some need for strength. Oh yeah. Well, that was one big place. 
Yes. And that was a, a big discussion and a lot. And it's not just with hypermobility, but it's a big one. People think they need to stretch. They feel tight. You need to stretch and it feels good temporarily when you stretch, but things it's stretching is not the answer. Tightness is a sensation, a perceived feeling. Um, doesn't mean things are actually short or restricted. Um, so often you do need to strengthen or something is tight because, or feels tight because it's often it's compensating for something else. Um, and so you, again, trying to get to the why and, and addressing that. And often by strengthening, um, or retraining muscles, you'll feel less tight. Um, and, but people have a hard time grasping that idea sometimes, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I I know that some of my people, um, when I work with athletes in the CrossFit gym, if a low back is tight and you watch them from across the gym squatting, you can see that their abdominal muscles are doing nothing. And that's why their low back is tight because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have that opposing muscle group firing. Yeah. It's doing all the work. Yeah. Yeah. It's working its little fanny bottom off. So um, when you have a client like that, I know you have some super big tools in your toolbox and I know your toolbox is fairly large because I just listened to Fran introduce you (laughs) with like (laughs) the hours and hours of clinical practice and all the um, years you've had caring for people. And Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering what are some of the things that you might do for that client and what's that, that look like? What's that path look like? Yeah, so it's really personalized by the client, um, and that's why I like having a lot of tools in my toolbox, um, because there's not one thing that works for everybody. Um, If there was, that's all what we'd be doing. Um, So some people are more um, reactive, and they need more indirect and gentle kind of techniques. Um, So we might do more, a lot of education and, uh, modification, behavior modification, activity modifications, kind of getting things under control, maybe more modalities, whether it's laser, um, you know, more gentle hands-on things until we can get their system calmed down. Um, other people, it might be more, you know, they're it's super chronic, but it's not acute or irritated or inflamed. And we can be really super aggressive, get in there and and crank on them, do super aggressive mobilizations, um, deep tissue work, fascial, you know, I have soft tissue tools, cupping, um, things like that. So it it really like dumb that down. When you say um, uh, mobilizations, do you mean you take their arm and move it? That could be one example. Yeah. So mobilizations is anything with, with movement. So we can do soft tissue mobilization. So, I mean, massage, like massage, deep tissue okay. massage, myofascial release. Um, there's a lot of these tools now with like cupping and scraping or grastening or, you know, uh, terms people usually are, are familiar with these days. Those would be all considered soft tissue mobilization. Um, joint mobilization would be more moving the joints around. So, uh, a a chiropractor is doing a manipulation. So a mobilization is more like stretching of the joints, but getting in there and manually, uh, you know, manipulating the joints, but not necessarily crack, you know, the manipulation would be the high velocity, you know, low amplitude. And I am actually trained in, in some manipulation. I just, that's not my primary, um, thing. I do a lot of muscle energy techniques, 
um, which are utilized contract relax and reflexive mm. inhibition to get into and work those restrictions. So again, there's just different ways of, of going about it. And so it's really based on, um, you know, personal preference for some people um, and just how they're presenting and sometimes just instinct what I feel like is is going to work best for them. But sometimes when one technique isn't working, then I, you know, we've got more than one way to to, to get our end result. Yeah. All right. So Leanne, I know that um, a, lo- a lot of, you have a ton of tools and a lot of stuff takes place in your office. So what does that look like for the clients when they're outside of their, outside of your office? Cause I know that, you know, with any type of work we're doing kind of in um, isolation in an office can often be undone pretty quickly mm-hmm. when we send people back out into the systems that got them there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you, I mean, I know you're educating them in the office. What between sessions with you, between appointments with you, what are, what are you giving them or what are their yeah. homework? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, usually they, they get something. Um, I don't like to throw a lot at them at first cause I want to know what's kind of working and what's not working. So sometimes it might take a little time to build up a full program. Um, a lot of the education, make sure they're, you know, at least aware of the things that are negatively impacting them. Um, and, but I really like, um, great cook is, uh, with the most, uh, functional movement systems and he's got the three R's and, and this just really kind of um, just made a lot of sense to me and, and how I kind of look at things. Um, uh, if Now I'm making sure I remember this correctly. Reset, <laughs> yeah. 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 reset, reload, reset, reinforce, reload, um, I think is the correct order. So the reset would be the what we do in the office. You know, we're working on the mobilization or, you know, whether it's joint soft tissue. Um, but then you need to reinforce that. So that's where a lot of the home programs come in. Um, so just again, my patient this morning, you know, she's got mobility in a couple of areas. So I did just a little bit while she was there and then I got her on the foam roller and showed her a routine on there for, um, to work on those specific issues. Cause then she's got to keep those areas that I just mobilized. She's got to keep them moving. You need to relubricate those joint surfaces, get that connective tissue gliding and, and sliding and, you know, or whatever tissue it, it is. Um, cause if they don't, so they go back and just sit on the computer all day, well, it, it's not going to be very effective. So you got to reinforce it somehow. And, um, so even if people are doing self, a lot of people will roll on the foam rollers at home, um, or use the balls or all these other soft tissue tools out there, but then they don't do anything afterwards. Same idea. Even if you're doing self mobilization, you want to move afterwards. You want to at least do some stretching, do some range of motion. You got to move and reinforce whatever, you know, you're, you were just trying to release. And then the reloading is kind of that final integrating it into function, um, strengthening and, you know, and, and trying to re, you know, often if it's an injured tissue, you have to gradually reload it to get it used to being able to take whatever load it, it's supposed to or needs to take, um, but that can look in, look differently in, in different people. Um, so sometimes I am giving them more um, passive things to start with, like whether it's just laying on the foam roller, some self like with a ball or things, if we just need to deal with pain, if it's more mobility, 
They definitely need a um, uh, exercises, you know, stretches or things to keep reinforcing and moving whatever it is that we're trying to move. Sometimes we use taping techniques. So if it's more postural or again, someone doesn't have the awareness yet mm-hmm. to be able to control or whatever it is, um, we can utilize some tape to help to support or give them some feedback of like, oh, you know, you're doing this again. You know, you need to, you know, change that. You know, it takes thousands of repetitions to yeah. create or change habits, as I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. All right. So, Amy, did you want to jump in with something? Yeah, I actually did. Um, So what I'd like to know is, and just to create an awareness of, you know, I've been through physical therapy forever in all kinds of ways. And, um, And I've also worked with athletes who do physical therapy or like they have an injury or a surgery and then they do physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And it's a real hot button for me. I'd love to hear your take on it that um, they're like, yeah, I'm going to do six weeks of physical therapy. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, you've been a CrossFit for, you know, three years and you're, you're pretty athletic and you're enjoying your athleticism. You're not going to do physical therapy for six weeks, FYI, and then be back in the gym at where you were performing. You're mm-hmm. going to be at maybe a activities of daily living where you're walking normally and you might be picking up the laundry basket normally, but we're not talking about the load of, yeah, now I'm jumping on a box and I'm swinging on a bar and, I, you know, and so I wondered if you could share your experience with like, um, some of the healing yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is, is managing those expectations, which is, is hard because the doctors are, oh yeah, in six weeks, you'll be fine after surgery. Well, that, like you said, some people, what their expectations are at that six weeks are just not realistic. Because um, there is just, there are certain things you can do to maybe maximize or possibly speed up the healing process. But the fact is that there is just time, you know, and certain, um, just cells and tissue, you know, and different tissue takes different time to heal. And then once it's healed, it doesn't mean it's ready to take all that load right away. You know, so just like you had to build that up to begin with, and it's not just muscles. And this is something, and people understand that, oh, I kind of work my muscles. I kind of, they get stronger as they, I kind of break them down and they rebuild mm-hmm. bones. The same thing we, we know, or most people realize, you know, osteoporosis, if I do weight bearing, weight lifting, you know, kind of stimulate, it helps to stimulate bone growth or increasing my bone density. Um, I mean, there's other factors too, but as a one, that's one part of it, but that goes for all our tissue, um, our ligaments, our tendons. Um, so for example, you have a rotator cuff surgery, Um, and it's not just recovering from the surgery itself. You know, a lot of people, they had that issue going on for months, possibly years going Mm. into surgery and, you know, they couldn't do things normally. Um, or, you know, maybe they were non-weight bearing for a month if it's a knee issue and they couldn't get into for surgery right away. Or, um, we saw this a lot with COVID, unfortunately, people had injuries, but Mm -hmm. couldn't get the treatment. And then it was a year later, they finally had surgery. So it's not just the recovery from the surgery itself. It's you have to factor in that time the whole year prior or month or whatever it was of 
things not working properly, of not having good range of motion, tissue not being loaded appropriately. And um, then your your sweet little body in other ways compensating. Right? Well, and then you have all those so other issues too. You know, that right hip, like Amy, you better be careful. Yep. <laughs> that right hip to do. Yep. Because what you don't want to do is come out of your boot finally on your left foot and then have to go into physical therapy for your right hip. Yes. And people just think I can jump right back into doing everything. And then they end up with other other issues. So it, it's, it's hard. And like I said, a lot of it, again, education, trying to manage those expectations and, you know, it, and it's the education. I mean, whether people want to listen to it and follow, I mean, <laughs> it's still not always the case, but you just do your best and, you know, and trying to just educate that this is just, you know, tissue healing, you know, most soft tissue, six to eight weeks, um, you know, for, you know, full tissue healing, but that doesn't mean it's strong yet. So it's like, okay, like you said, you're back to your normal daily activities. You can do normal you know, average things, lifting body weight, light weights doesn't mean, you know, you can do plyometrics and jumping and, you know, lifting, you know, what your one rep max yet, or, you know, you have to, you know, just like you would be training for anything, you have to retrain and and build that back up. Um, And it's a process. And a lot of um, overuse injuries is that people train overtrain and you don't have that recovery time. You know, if you're going to be working things, that is how it gets stronger, but you also need that recovery time for it to rebuild um, so that you just don't keep breaking it down and breaking it down and end up with these tendonitis, tendinopathies and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. So yeah. Leanne, I know from when we spoke before, and this is also on your, on your website that you really, um, enjoy the kind of complex cases, you know, mm-hmm. like the, that you, that that's what you kind of can dig your teeth into and, and really feel like you are making a difference mm-hmm. for these people. And I think often you get the referrals from people who are, feel, feel like they've been to everybody else and nothing's worked here. They are, they show up at your office and you are supposed to kind of be the one who fixes them when everyone else can't. Can you can you talk about what why that fuels you? What it what it is about these cases and these um, people that really can uh, make it to going? Um, I think I like the challenge of it and just it's you know stimulating. Um, but then when you can help them, it's it, it's just great. You know, um, like like you said, they've been to this many doctors and this PT and this chiropractor and this massage therapist, and maybe they get a little help here or there, but just to get answers for these people sometimes and help to explain, um, often they'll, you know, they can get to a point that's just, you know, they're being told it's all in their head, you know, Mm -hmm. suck it up or, you know, things like that. And, um, pain gets very complex and, um, just, and it still, it could be because of some changes in the brain because chronic pain will, can cause, you know, changes. Um, but that can still be managed and doesn't mean that it's got to stay like that forever. Um, but you know, they think that there's no hope or it's just, you know, they get just prescribed, you know, this or that. Um, so it's great to build and empower these people and and see that there is some options. Um, again, I, I don't say I can fix them per se. Um, but I always feel like I, you know, it's, there's always room for improvement and we can help manage and improve their quality of life. Um, and it's great, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's, 
just feels good, you know, to be able to help and, and to see these people come in and then, you know, they're in tears because now they've been able to, you know, do whatever that they haven't been able to do for a while or, you know, things like that. And it's not always, a, but it's a big deal to them. You know, right. they may never be able to be in the CrossFit gym, but it's sometimes just, you know, simple things like they could go grocery shopping, you know, but for a half hour and, and, and not be done for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. for me, honestly, there was a good bit of time um, that I struggled with my back in particular. And once I entered sort of the healing process for my back, not the band-aiding, but the real healing for my back, the thing that I almost brought me to tears every day with gratitude was being able to tie my shoes first thing in the morning. Yep. Because I was just too tight. There was no getting down there. I'd go into the gym to teach my classes and have one of my athletes tie my shoes for me because I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And so just to be able to do that consistently would almost bring me to tears. So, yeah, yeah having people around me in my healthcare journey that listened. And well, I, that's hear that yes. you listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can hear you listen, right? Yes. And then that's a big thing. And unfortunately, a lot of just the way practices are, they don't have the time. I mean, it's not that they don't want to listen. I feel like they're overworked. They just, the environment doesn't um, promote it. it. It's just very difficult. So being, staying private and being independent, it does allow me to, and I think that is half of it is these people, sometimes that first visit, we barely get any evaluation done. It's it's just talking and listening and trying to get the whole story because um, they have a lot of history and have been to a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, and I think but, you also provide them with some hope, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, hopefully very, realistic hope, but yes. Like, yeah, no, you're very, yeah. You're very realistic. You're very, you know, like this is where you are. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to be running a marathon next month, but yeah. you know, I do think we can probably help with this and, and having being heard and then instilling that just kind of bit of hope, I think is probably very powerful. Mm-hmm, I think so. And then they feel somewhat empowered, you know, yeah. like, okay, somebody heard me, somebody believes me. Yes. And, and there are things that then they can do, you know, too, for themselves. Yes. Yes. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally got a sense of that too, Fran, by the way, when I was listening to her, it's that people have that one little tether, it may be the last string that they're going to pull. Like, I, you know, I know I've been to 15 other people. I know that I've heard I've got to have a cortisone shot or I've got to have surgery or that I'm never going to be able to do this again or that I need to just stop playing tennis for the rest of my life or that I need, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I'm going to tr- just try mm-hmm. this one. There's this lady named Leanne and I'm going <laughs> to just try, you know, and then to to just have the partnership of listening, of huge, massive toolbox mm-hmm. of we're going to try this tool. If it doesn't work, we're going to try this tool. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm right here with you. And this mm-hmm. is realistically what you can expect on your journey to healing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's just, that's the juice right there. Yeah. And I mean, and honestly, sometimes I see them and I do say like, you know what, I'm sorry, but I, you, I think you do need whatever surgery it is that they're recommending. Um, it's just, you know, that, that does happen, but at least then they, again, feel like they've heard, um, been heard and really kind of evaluated and assessed um, with everything, um, especially if they have already, you know, some people have kind of gone through and, and done all the things that would, would have done anyway. Um, 
And they're just some things that sometimes that that is just the last the last step. But well, then I would imagine for those people, they also then you can go they can go into that surgery with some sort of plan, right? Yes. I mean, pre surgery, I think there are things you can do. To oh, for sure. And I always say that going even if we can't keep you from not going in for surgery, at least you're going to go into surgery in better shape and improve in that that's going to improve your outcomes of surgery or you have some expectations and and things. It's kind of gives you a jump start, Right. And And I think going into anything like that with a plan, right. Mm -hmm. feels so much better. I mean, I think that's what a lot of what we do as, as health coaches is like anticipate what's coming up. Some of it cannot be avoided, but if you handle it the best way, you know, handle it with your end goals in mind and with these plans and plan A, B, C, D in mm-hmm. place, um, then you are just going to come out of it in a much better place. Yes. Yeah. And because and the doctors do not do a good job of preparing people for no. with those plans. No, or with aftercare. I mean, I've certainly had no. my share of surgeries and I did not get great aftercare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they do kind of expect the, or the physical therapist kind of, that's their job often, but I mean, there's some surgeries, you know, that, I mean, or I shouldn't say some, quite a few surgeries, it's people are not going to physical therapy afterwards. So then there's really like, like you said, very little to any aftercare. Right. You know, I was talking to one of our other podcast uh, guests, Kyle, and um, I think this sums it up. People need advocates. Mm. And, you know, from a nursing perspective, you know, the first thing in, in my nursing code of ethics pamphlet back in 1995 <laughs> was your job is to be an advocate for that client, period. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's your job. And, and the rest of it can come under number two, three, four, five, six. We can talk about autonomy and beneficence and, and ethics and all that stuff. But your number one job is to advocate for that client. Mm-hmm. And I think that our healthcare system is complicated. Our bodies mm-hmm. are miraculously, beautifully complicated. Yes. And if you don't have a person, either a healthcare provider who will see your whole picture, or a spouse or friend or partner um, who can go with you just to be another set of ears. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and better if they have some healthcare experience, even if it's not as a practitioner, but in the system and how mm-hmm. it works and how your insurance works and how, you know, all of those pieces fit together to help you um, stop, m- look at the data, make your choice, have a plan. Then when your plan socks you in the nose and smacks you down, <laughs> make another plan, you know, just that advocacy is huge. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of going, going back, that the, to be an advocate, you need to know the client. You need to hear the client. You need to know what the issues are. And I think that, mm-hmm. is, that is what different, differentiates you from a lot of other physical therapists out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love developing those relationships because um, then in the future too, you know, something comes up, um, it just, you know, I, I know, and it's just makes it much easier to kind of like, oh, this is, you know, yeah, this is not normal for you. Like, whereas, right. you know, the, they might have to start from scratch with someone and can take a while to get to where, where they need to, to get to. Right. Um, 
you know, we can be like, oh, no, this is, you know, mm-hmm. um, we, we can just get right to it and, 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 and address it and, and, and everything. And so, you know, I've had clients I've worked with for um, 10, 15 years, you know, off and on. And usually, you know, I see most of the family and, and stuff. And it's just it's just just great. I mean, I love developing those relationships um, uh, just for many reasons. Absolutely. This has been great, Leanne. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I've got one one last question for you. You ready? Yes. Um, how how am I going to word this? If you were to give our listeners one nugget, mm. Mm, I know, right? <laughs> Putting you pressure, on the, the pressure is big. I know one nugget that they could take away for themselves in this podcast, what would that be? Oh, um, I guess don't, I mean, don't give up as far as trying to advocate for your health and, and finding someone that can help you, help you, whether, you know, it, as a physician, um, physical therapist or, or what have you is if, you know, if someone can't help you, doesn't, don't just give up there, you know, keep getting other opinions, you know, keep out getting referrals, keep trying different things. Cause there are, there's so much out there. Um, and that there's probably someone out there that can help you or at least get you, you know, keep pointing in the right direction. So just don't think, Oh, I've already tried physical therapy. It's, it was pointless. Well, not all physical therapy is the same, not all doctors the same. And, and so to don't, don't give up and, you know, and take control of your life and, and take, you know, be proactive. Yeah. So I, what I'm hearing underneath that is to trust yourself, right? To trust yes. that you know your body and yes. you know it better than any doctor you're going to yes. visit, any therapy, you know, like, so, so trust your own instinct. Yes. What your yes. body is telling you. Yes. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And that's why it yeah. makes you so special. So you yeah. want to let people know how to contact you or how they can, if they're interested in making an appointment or, or learning more, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So probably the easiest thing and most of the information is on my website, um, stillwaterkataba.com. Um, you can, uh, that's got some more kind of background of some of the modalities and, and my trainings that I do do. Um, you can schedule online through there also. Um, certainly you can always call, um, you know, contact information's also on there. Um, I work by appointments. Um, I, you know, everyone's, uh, initial appointments always at least an hour cause I want time to talk and, you know, go through. And actually this morning I had time, I ended up spending an hour and a half with my first patient, <laughs> um, just because we, we got talking about different things. So, um, so, so that's the easiest way since it, I'm just a one man show. I don't have somebody to answer the phone and, and stuff. So often if you call, I'm not going to be able to pick up right away. So um, you can leave a message or email Leanne at stillwaterkataba.com. Um, those are kind of the easiest ways to get a hold of me or I'll probably be, be able to respond quicker those, through those avenues. All right. And we'll put those on in the show notes as well. Yeah. So that Thank you can just click away. So I just want to wrap up here by saying um, to everyone listening, you've just heard it here. Don't give up. There's hope. If you're listening to you and your body and tell is telling you 
that there's hope and there's something that needs to be done. Don't give up. There's help for you. And we certainly believe in that. If you've loved what you've heard today, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a friend because you know somebody else needs these nuggets. And thanks everybody for coming out and special, special thanks to you, Leanne. And thanks for the care provider you are in our healthcare system. Thanks for having me. 100%. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.